Welcome to the Total Boss Podcast, and I'm your host, Cristiano Green, a podcast where we talk about finding fulfillment through self-development, being a leader of your own life, and getting the most out of it as well. Tenacity, originality, talent, authenticity, and being legendary. It's all about living your best life. Hello, 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 all you Total Bosses out there. I'm super excited to have you guys here on the Total Boss Podcast. My name is Christiana Green, and I am a life and business coach for gay men and women. And I'm super excited to have on the podcast today one of my good friends, Danny Nasezian, who we've known each other for, I think, about 13 years. Now, Danny is a actor, a writer, He is a tarot reader, a light worker, and he also is doing an amazing body work course. So excited to have you on here, Danny. Thanks for having me, Cristiano. Nice. Would you like to tell anyone else a little bit more about who you are and maybe how we met? Uh, Yeah, cool. Well, um, we met, yeah, about, what was it, 13 years ago. Um, We met um, on the Sydney party scene. Just totally. um, two little twinks doing our thing <laughs> back we then. We were twinks back then, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally shimmying our way through life. Um, I'm, um, yeah, currently uh, in lockdown in Sydney at the moment, which is definitely uh, having its challenges. But um, ordinarily, I, I work full time. I work in the events industry, um, and my side hustle is um, is uh, I have a little tarot business. Um, and I'm currently learning how to become a medicine wheel body worker. So that's um, using medicine wheel, the medicine wheel modality um, in with massage um, and energetic healing. Um, and yeah, it's kind of on hold at the moment due to lockdown, but um, hopefully we can pick that back up uh, maybe at the end of this year. I'm not sure. We're, we're about halfway through the course. Yeah, um, lockdown affects yeah. sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of up in the air at the moment, uh, but yeah, that's that's me at the moment. <laughs> awesome. Well, I know that um, I asked you to get on uh, here today because we obviously met on the party scene, and we've both had our different journeys when it comes to dealing with addiction. So we're going to have a topic about that today, especially how now we've kind of come out the other side and are doing stuff that's actually now giving back to people. So. Did you want to share a little bit about your journey when it comes to uh, addiction? Yeah, I do. Um, I started off, um, well, I grew up on Sydney's northern beaches um, in the 90s and back then um, it wasn't as open as what it is now. Um, It was quite a closed-minded community when it came to um, people outside of the norm. (laughs) Um, or whatever they considered to be normal um, back then. And, um, you know, I think that's just maybe where the world was at at that point. It wasn't just the Northern Beaches. It was just how things were. So growing up, um, a feminine uh, boy, um, like a lot of us in our community, was quite difficult. Um, I never felt that I belonged. I felt really like a bit of an alien, to be honest. So when I turned um, 18 and I started exploring what else is out there, um, like Oxford Street, (laughs) um, 
drugs and drinking became, uh, I don't know, uh, like they really served me. Yeah, it served me back then. It it sort of, um, you know, I'd go out and I'd I'd take some pills and drink a heap and I would feel like I sort of finally belonged somewhere. Um, So I, I, I think like looking back at that time, um, I felt like it helped me in a way. I know that sounds crazy, but it helped me sort of let loose and be comfortable with my sexuality and um, become comfortable with, with connecting with other men. And so, but obviously, um, you know, I had come from quite a traumatic uh, childhood mm. and I believe that that was sitting dormant in me. Um, and so when it came to using, um, it just escalated and, you know, I would be the last one at the party um, or wanting to keep going. And this was with party drugs at this point. Um, I sort of partied my way through my 20s and um, then my early 30s, I was introduced to crystal meth. Mm. Um, I kind of dabbled with it here and there and it never really did anything for me until um, I met the needle, to be honest. Yeah. And um, that changed everything. (laughs) So already being um, addicted to escapism, um, now I'd found this new way of using that was completely linked to um, sex, fantasy, um, and again, escapism, and it wasn't long before I was completely hooked. And I think it took me about um, eight months before I was in rehab. I was writing it, and I was in it, and I was directing it and producing it. So I, I was wearing a lot of different hats. At the same time, I was discovering this new way of using, so it was completely (laughs) a disaster. Um, And we had done the show for Sydney Fringe and then the venue asked us if we wanted to come back the following month and I was like, absolutely, yes, yes, yes. Amazing. So we went back the following month and I'd used um, two days before we were meant to be performing or we, we were performing and... I used and I hadn't eaten, I hadn't slept and I got on stage and I was in a complete psychosis and it was a total nightmare (laughs) because it was in front of, you know, our peers and, you know, it was just really humiliating because I was clearly not okay. Yeah. I think I weighed like 55 kilos and, you know, I was really um, struggling anyway. So we did the show and everyone sort of came up to me at the end of the show and they were like, are you okay? Like, you don't look okay. <laughs> um, and I wasn't. I wasn't okay. So um, I investigated with my auntie and my mum. I investigated um, some rehabs and I was like, I've got to go. This is either, if I don't go now, I'm. this is going to kill me. Like, yeah. I just felt that way. Yeah. And, um yeah, within two weeks I was in a rehab in Melbourne. I went to an all-men's rehab, which was um, which was really scary actually because I didn't realise how many um, how much fear I had when it came to um, other men. I just, I, I still had this fear. Yeah. And so I went to this all-men's rehab and um, it was incredible. I, like, strongly recommend rehab for everyone. <laughs> Oh, it was just, it was incredible. It was very challenging and very hard, but 
um, I needed this deep excavation. I needed to. I needed to look at a lot of stuff, um, and yeah, that's kind of. And look, don't get me wrong. I was in rehab for six months. Um, did a lot of really, really incredible work in rehab, and then the day I got out, I relapsed. I relapsed literally the day I got out. Um, And it had been, I think, like they say, like, you know, I'd done the 12-step program and um, they had said that, you know, it can be quite common for people to relapse um, once coming out of rehab. You sort of get all your freedom back and you kind of panic and which is basically what I did. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it's it's been um, a really interesting um, journey of, making a lot of bad choices again, a lot of relapses for me, um, but also a lot of um, triumphs in terms of getting stronger um, and understanding my triggers and understanding why I use and understanding why I use the way I did, um, particularly when it came to sex, because crystal meth and sex um, have this sort of uh, what like a like a sub community, um, yeah. lots of um, and it can get quite messy when you're someone like me who <laughs> can be a little bit of a pig and who just, yeah, let's do it for days and, you know, and, and get quite lost in the fantasy of it. So, um, yeah, that's that that was kind of the thick of it. But um, the past few years, oh, and I, I will say this, like going to rehab and even my using um, was a really deeply spiritual experience for me, both light and shade. Yeah, really spiritual. Um, I didn't realize um, how much I loved my connection to spirit or my guides or to God, however you want to put it. Yeah. Um, until I went into rehab and went, shit, like this is, I value this more than I'd allowed myself to think. Um, so coming out the other end of, of rehab, I sort of, um, I really made that a priority where I, I, even with the dark stuff and with the the relapses, I always have tried to look at it from a spiritual perspective and that's really, really helped me. And I guess it, it's kind of helped me get to where I am today in terms of being able to give back um, and help people through that um, rather than the psychological point of view or, you know, um, so yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> that's sort of my story so far. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that there. I know it's um, a long journey, and um, I totally can relate to you where you at the beginning where you said like you know it started with just drinking and some party drugs, mm-hmm. and you found a way to express yourself to kind of connect to your you know gay side or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But that's that's how it usually starts with people. You you you, you know you've come from a place. I I grew up in a similar place, on the central coast. So you know yes. probably very similar to the northern beaches where it just wasn't yeah. right, wasn't accepted. You felt unsafe. You were bullied. You know. Um. You yeah. know. And again, I was a young feminine boy, just just like yourself. So I can totally relate. Yeah. And coming down to Sydney, I had zero friends. I would come down, and it started with, with drinking for me. And then yeah. you know you meet people who are your friends, and they're doing this, and they're having a great time. You're like. 
all right, I'll just try one pill. And then it turns into, oh, okay, well, I might do that every time I go out. And then you jump onto yes. the train and then you jump onto having a bump of Coke or a bump of K and it just goes down the spiral to the point where sometimes yeah, you realise it's, it's you're, you're so far in it before you realise it's a problem because it becomes a normal part of your life, especially if you, you know, yeah. like us probably, you know, you're going out like two, three, four, five times a week, right, because yeah. you are feeling like you can be yourself there. When you go back to your normal life, you're like, yeah. I'm not feeling like I'm this person here. So it's difficult because we want to be there because we're actually feeling like we get to be ourselves for the first time in our life, you know. Totally. And it's really safe too. Like for the first time when I first started going out um, on the scene, I felt really safe. I didn't yeah. feel like, you know, when I'd go out like, um, you know, when I was like 18 in yeah. Manly, I always had my... I don't know. It was hypervigilant, you know. I was like, oh, is someone going to hit me? Is someone going to say something? Oh, my God. Like, I, I just never felt safe. And then coming here and the, the drugs and alcohol, it come, sort of came with in a package deal. You know what I mean? It was just, it was available. It was easy to get. And it was fun. It was um, fun. It really was. Yeah, yeah. And it's fun until it becomes not so much fun when you're. Exactly, down, yeah. You know, you've been doing things for two or three days straight and at that point, <laughs> yeah. in the moment you think it becomes normal you're like this is what we do and you think yeah. it's part of the life because that's the only thing that you've seen of being gay and and again feel safe so you want to get yes. to feel safe and exactly. enjoy yourself because again when you're hiding in the closet or repressed or afraid like you were in in different areas you want to be around that more so it does, it did come with the territory, but it can become, you know, a slippery slope. And you don't really realize because if all of your friends are doing this and getting high or getting wasted, getting drunk, whatever it is, it becomes normal. It becomes normal and you normalize yeah. it. And so everyone else around you may be like, girl, you okay? And you're like, I'm fine. I'm fucking living my best life, you know? Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Until Tuesday hits and then you don't feel so pretty, you know? <laughs> exactly right. And then you go and have a drink after work with some friends, girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Right. So then for you, because I know that you've moved around uh, a lot, mm-hmm. um, and obviously, you know, for different reasons, what was that first time when you moved to to Melbourne like and did that affect you or were you already deep into it before you left Sydney? To go to rehab? Uh, Because you went to Melbourne not to go to rehab the first time, didn't you move there? Oh, yes, yeah, I I, I lived in Melbourne in my 20s, yeah. You know, I that's a good question because I guess it was sort of um, it it ties into that escaping, that feeling of needing to, to escape and I guess um, cause I did move around a lot in my twenties. Like I lived on the Gold Coast for a bit and then I lived on in Melbourne for a bit. And it always, I guess the underlying, um, the sponsoring factor was, um, I need to belong. I need to belong. I think, um, looking back, there was a, um, an addiction to <laughs> starting over, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and, um, and slipping into that um, I don't belong default position quite quickly. So then I would then convince myself, oh, well, I've got to change everything. I've got to move. Um, don't get me wrong. Those moves really serve their purpose. Um, but um, it was funny because it was like I was escaping using actually because even in my early 20s, the party days were pretty 
full on. Oh, yeah. um, so I would be like, right, I've got to clean myself up. Right, I'll go to Melbourne, da, 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 move to Melbourne. I'd be okay for maybe three months and then I'd slip back into the same um, behaviours. So um, it was really like I was living in a, in a circle, really. And, yeah. to, and then it gets to the point, you know, where you can't hold down, well, I couldn't hold down a job. Um, my friendships were becoming fractured. Um, I was becoming quite dishonest. Um, as my, um, before I even started um, using crystal meth, my behaviour with and my relationship with um, party drugs really promoted dishonesty in me. Like I would do anything to, to get hot. Like I'd just be, you know, you'd lie, you'd cheat, you'd steal, like, you know, you do all the things. It. And it's not the real just, truth. It's just like the part of you that's yeah. craving that thing, right? And uh, it does take over it's your position. Yeah. Exactly. And, like, I realised, like, over time that I think obsession is, like, the most painful part of um, addiction. It's just, it's so unreasonable and it you really feel possessed, <laughs> you know. It's just, like... Take me to your leader. I need to. I need to get that. I need to have that in my system right now, and I'll stop at nothing to get it. Um, so the, I think moving away from um, obsession has been a really like. I don't know. That feels like freedom. That really does feel like freedom. Hundred percent, and I, I I can understand all the things. You know, I've lost jobs because of being out too much and calling in sick too many times <laughs> I've had fights and you know lost different friends because of you know how you acted when you were you know so wasted that you can't even remember but they tell you you yeah. didn't, like that's not me I wouldn't do that and you make all these excuses yeah. why they're in the wrong because you're totally. becoming you know you're in a victim mentality but you don't think that you are you think that you're right because like I'm just having fun girl don't don't uh, don't kill my vibe you know that's my bubble yeah yeah totally yeah and it's you're right the victim mentality really um couples up well with addiction um it's got for me personally I sort of had like I mentioned before like I'd come from a really abusive um childhood and I I, until I addressed that stuff, I did carry that with me as um, my perception of any situation was, oh, my God, I'm being victimised, you know, and yeah. um, I need to protect myself or I need to figure out how to not feel this way, cool, I'll pop a pill. <laughs> exactly. You know? It comes to that avoidance as well. Like it's so easy to avoid that by having a drink, having a pill or yeah. whatever it is that, you know, you, you're doing on that specific moment right because you know yeah. it can easily start with just um having a drink and then you have a bottle and then someone's like oh i've got this and got that and it's tuesday night and you realize it's 5 a.m and you just can't go to work you know <laughs> yeah totally yeah so when to, when was it that you realized that, like it was getting too far or did someone else have to step in um i stepped in actually yeah. um like I, I, it was really funny because I'd sort of had this um, awareness the whole time that I had a problem, yeah. even with party stuff, like before the crystal meth and the needles and stuff. Um, I knew that, and it was something that I, I knew, I was like, I've got to get a hold on this. <laughs> like, I've, 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 like I know that I'm out of control with, um, with drugs, but I didn't know how to stop. And I, I, I do, 
um, have gratitude to the the heavy using because it it took me to go to that to love myself as cheesy as that sounds um to to really want to or to be ready to face myself um after doing like a performance in complete psychosis not only was it humiliating and I love performing and you know I I I would never even touch a drop of alcohol before going on stage like I I really really enjoyed it and I got a natural high off it bring your body as well yeah. Yeah. And for me to to use like that and then to perform, I was like, that's that's crossing a line <laughs> for me, you know. Um, and so I I kind of fronted up and I, I spoke to my family and I, I just said, this is what's been going on like the last, you know, six, seven months, and I'm a bit scared and I need to go do this. Um, and it was kind of a relief. Like I felt this massive feeling of relief that um, it was finally going to be addressed and um, in a safe place. And I went to Melbourne because I, I just needed to get out, out of Sydney at that stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was somewhere and no one will know me. It was all the way down in Geelong. <laughs> so I, I did, I'm sure I didn't know anyone down there. Um, and, yeah, just actually finally address the the pain that that was sitting in me for so long yeah amazing there to hear that you you stepped in and like it is funny when we have some of these things that like I've stepped over the line and for you it was I'm doing the psychosis on stage and but like all the other things it was like that's totally fine or like for people to realize that you know there is sometimes that moment that re- that you go fuck enough is enough I can't like I fucked up I all these things but this one is the thing that I just can't I don't want to ruin any more of what I've done you know yeah exactly exactly and I had a lot of you know like I was really proud of the show that I'd written and I was really like um you know I was like sort of the leader of that troupe and I was like the director and I was I, I had responsibilities and to walk in there in front of my cast looking like a like a to- like shaking and jaw going back and forth and you know 55 kilos like it just it was really um it was really humiliating <laughs> it was really really bad and and these were in front of people that I really respected too you know and yeah it just it's funny because like just like looking back on it, like all of the dishonesty that comes with using and all of the shame and the guilt um, had actually become part of me. So I kind of was really comfortable in those spaces, um, which I now realise that that's not actually part of me. That was just part of the part of the gig, you know, part of the gig of, of addiction. Um but yeah, it's really, it's been really, really nice to move away from that that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So you said that you went for the first time to rehab for six mm-hmm. months. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how that was, because I, I know that it would have been super difficult, as you said. But how was that six months for you? Like ups, downs, highs, lows. It was crazy. It was crazy. Like I remember the first day. Um, I had no idea what to expect. Yeah. And 
they sort of walk you in and, um, you know, they, they go through all of your bags for contraband and all that sort of stuff. They, they you know, you sign here, you explain, they explain this and that, and then they give you Valium um, straight off the bat because they're like the first week you're going to be overwhelmed and also it's a way to help detox. Cool. Um, so the first week you're on Valium and I remember you get given a buddy. So my buddy came in and he was really cool. His name was Faz and he came in. He's like, oh, hi, you know, welcome. Da, da, da. And so, you know, I, I have my Valium. He's like, oh, I'll go around and <laughs> introduce you to all the boys. And I'm thinking, shit, I'm actually here doing this. What the fuck? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Holy shit, I think. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're walking through the, you know, this is the kitchen and this is the room and da-da-da, and I'm meeting all of these guys and um, the Valium's kicking in, so I'm not really scared because I'm sort of like, oh, yeah, hey. <laughs> you know, like it's all, it's all good. Yeah. Um, and I think... I, I honestly was like, I think I needed that because I, I think I probably would have turned around and walked out. Um, but those boys, like we had a brotherhood and it was incredible because you're in this space where you are sharing your deepest, darkest, most painful memories and feelings and you laugh together and you cry together and you heal together and um, and it is, it was incredible. Um so being in there with those guys um, made it fun. And you know what? We all had a really good sense of humour towards our shit as well, um, which is something that I learned to do in rehab to not, uh, I don't know if this is, like to not take it so seriously. Like of course you do take it seriously, but you like to 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 be able to laugh at stuff is really important. Um but yeah, it was it was really hard though. Like it was really really hard, really challenging, because you're 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 um, uncovering your stuff, but you're also with a bunch of people who are uncovering their stuff, and um, everyone's responding and reacting in different ways. And um, you know, we were in there with um, guys who were coming off heroin, and that was really really a painful experience for them. That that coming off it period. Um, and so you're sort of supporting each other, um, but everyone's kind of at different places as well. So it's it's a really um, when the relationships are good, it's a really magical community. But on the flip side, it can be really, really challenging and and really difficult as well. Yeah, because people are going through it and. You know, people take shit out on the people around them because exactly, yeah. And of course, I could imagine it would be, you know, you'd have some fucking real challenges in there, right? Oh, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because you know, through the therapeutic community, we're learning a new language of how to communicate as well. Mm. So it starts. It's funny because the arguments can can start really feisty and blah, 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 and really ego-driven. But oh. then, like, as time goes on, then it becomes this, like, you know, when you did this, I felt, you know, that, that whole, like, language, it's, like, a completely different way of communicating than, like, fighting. Um, so that's that was kind of a cool progress or process to watch as we all kind of developed um, better communication skills, you know. Yeah. Those they were, they were, were incredible. They really, yeah. Yeah. And so you, when you said, so, cause you mentioned before that you said, oh, I, I, if I didn't have the Valium, I would have, I could have, would have walked out. Could you have left at any time or did you like, were yeah. you 
like you could leave at any time? You could, yeah, yeah. The um the support workers were always like, there's the door. If you want to go, there's the door. Or if you want to stay, stay and do it, you know. Um, I was determined to stay. Like I was really determined to stay because I think I by the time I'd gotten to that point, I was actually really scared and um and I didn't recognize myself. Um, well, you know, not even that. I didn't even know who I was, to be honest. I, I, I went there and went, holy shit, I do not know who I am. And all of these, like, values that I thought I had um, and these certainties about who I am were actually bullshit, <laughs> you know, oh. and were actually completely um, egotistical. Yeah. And stemming from pain again I, i've said that a lot in this but like a lot there was lots of pain to sift through so it was um yeah it's good to get like it out you go in there and you realize that throughout your life you put on all these masks and all these masks yes. and each one you take off is another layer of pain that you have to process and you realize yeah. the core of it like like you said all these things that you build up because you found yourself on Oxford Street. Yeah, totally. You found, found a part of you, but that wasn't the real authentic you because there was all this stuff that you hadn't really been able to process. And, and like you said, finding yourself through substance isn't really always the, the heart of you, right? That's right, yeah. Like I, I look back and I think like what Oxford Street in that time gave me was confidence, to be really comfortable with my sexuality, um, to 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 enjoy the silliness and to, to enjoy the colour and the glitter and the, you yeah. know, um, and that, that really does serve its, like, have its place. But I think for me, someone like me who's um, addicted very quickly, um, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is all I want now, you know, rather than, than having, like, a more of a balance Um but yeah, I yeah, I still I still have it still has a special place in my heart. <laughs> of course, I yeah. I've all of those things with a lot of joy. And I mean, to a point, there is a point where I knew that the more I was doing it, the more I would hate the the feeling of what did I do last night? Like I can't remember, like anxiety and all that stuff. But in those moments, I did have an amazing time. But I also know that some of those things were not always reality as well yeah and, yeah, you know, yeah. in this bubble but you know totally. you look at back on some of the friendships that you have and some of the experience you had and there was not they weren't real because when when you take all of that stuff away some of those people aren't the same people and you're not the same person and you don't really oh exactly oh totally yeah in common with every single person and that's kind of been yeah. the most awakened thing is that i'm not that person they're not that person but that's yeah. Hey, and you know, maybe we can find ourselves and reconnect, or maybe you know, that was the, the time in our life where they meant to us what they meant to us, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's funny because like going to rehab and um, starting to like look back on my timeline, you know, and like, oh, that's why, that's why I was so desperate for that because you know, back when I was in high school, I didn't, I like, I had a night, a really, really gorgeous group of friends in high school, but I still got really bullied, you know, and there was still that whole thing of like not being accepted. So it's funny, like going and doing all the therapy, and you're sort of like, oh right, I was making up for lost time in my 20s for when I was a teenager, when I wasn't feeling X, Y, and Z, you know. 
Mm. It's there's so much that that um, I found popped up in my adult life from my childhood and my teenage years, and would like either recreate or you know try and do the complete opposite of um, just to gain a small win, <laughs> if you could call it that. You know. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And those yeah, those things seemed very important to us back then because like you said like for me like I started going out when I was 21 before that I'd, I'd never really been out at all before like at all yeah. I never went to a club the, the, for the first time I went to ARC like you know 21 never been out before so I felt like I you know I jumped straight in because like wow I finally feel like I'm myself and like I can do this and yeah you feel like you're making up for lost time but then when you're in it so much, you're like, well, I'm just going to keep this rolling as long as I can yeah. roll the guys and keep moving, honey. <laughs> Why would I stop? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And so for you, you did you only go to rehab the one time or did you go back up? Because you said, you, like, the day you came out, you relapsed. Tell me a little mm. bit about how that was for you and what did you feel after doing that, like? Oh, yeah. It was really... Um... I was really angry at myself. Yeah. I was really angry at myself because rehab offered such clarity and um, I'd worked really, really hard. Like I, I, I really committed to it and, um, and I remember, and it's funny how, you know, <laughs> it's funny how like, God of the universe works when it comes to this sort of stuff. I um, had moved out of the transition house that I was staying in with my therapeutic community and I was staying with a friend and she was a, she's a flight attendant and she was away. So I had the keys to her house. So I had her house to myself for about four days before she came back from her trip. And um, she said, stay there blah, 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 as long as you need. And um, I got there and I was like, okay, shit, like, you know, anxiety is quite high after being in this sort of bubble for six months and then you, you've given all of your choices and freedom back. It's actually really overwhelming. And, um, and I had one of the girls from the therapeutic community, um, from the girls' rehab that I'd made friends with, and she was, like, calling me to see if I wanted to go to a meeting with her. And she was calling and calling and I was ignoring because I wanted to use. Mm. And I was trying to make that happen. And I knew that if I answered her call, she would talk me out of it. <laughs> because, you know, in rehab, you learn to be so honest that I would have blurted out, yeah, I'm, I'm going to use shit, you know. Yeah. Um, so I ignored her call. And I'd, I'd set up, um, I went over to these this hotel room and met up with these guys and, you know, um, used injected methane and um, it just, uh, it was really weird. My relationship had already shifted with you through rehab. Oh, no, internet connection. There we go. Sorry. Um, so I felt really angry at myself. I felt like it sort of like wasn't really happening, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was but I was, I was annoyed. I was pissed off. <laughs> I was pissed off that I did it. I can imagine you would be. And like you said, it, they, they tell you that this is a possibility when you're given back all these choices. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, I can imagine how overwhelming that would have felt, especially being locked up, not locked up again, but, you know what I mean, in a bubble for six months, yeah, yeah, you know, all this stuff, and you feel so good, and then you come out and you're like, oh, my God, I can do it, but, you know, do I want to? And then you, you, your, your mind is just telling you to do it, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's really challenging. Like the thing that I've 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 learned like over the past few years with relapses and um is to not be too hard on myself. Um and to just, you know, if if I do if I've had a relapse, I have to look back and be like, okay, where was I at? Where was I at emotionally? What was going on for me? why did it happen you know what was driving that like I've had to look at it that way because the guilt that can sit within me for doing it was so heavy and it didn't really serve me in any way so I had to sort of change it and be like okay if it's happened it's happened I'm not promoting relapse by any mean everyone has a a different way of doing their recovery but for me I, I had to really examine why um it it continued to happen and that really helped me gain understanding a better understanding of my using um and it's it, like I've, I've mentioned this earlier but like I do have a lot of gratitude to that that kind of using because it has completely helped me um find who I actually am you know and continue to do so like you know it's a work in progress but I had to go that dark to find that light and I had to go to that shadow to to empty it (laughs) and and to sort of be like instead of this this um pain and trauma um me being at the mercy of it maybe I can now spin this into gold and be able to actually help others rather than it just sitting me doing nothing but causing more pain so I yeah. do have a lot of um, thanks to those experiences, yeah. Totally, totally. I can imagine that would be definitely something that, like I said, there are no wrong things if you learn something from it, right? Yeah, totally, yeah. And then kind of like I, I kind of like, like listening to your journey of rehab kind of makes me realise that like even though, you know, I didn't go to rehab myself for my alcohol addiction because that was really my massive problem with alcohol like because it was there everywhere I could have it and some days I had it for two or three or four days I realized I kind of did my own life rehab literally when I decided to stop I literally made the fucking changes of all of my, in all areas of my life because I was like I need to deal with this stuff here and I'm going to fucking go in and I was like jumping into personal development yeah. business jumping into my fitness and really just also spending time with myself sober so that I could actually process what was going on and I, I know what it's like to sit there and be like just look back and go fuck that was why I did that like that is yeah. why I did that for so long and yeah. again a lot of those things become an illusion because you're like that wasn't the real me but again I fought for so long that it was because it gave me that confidence it gave me this and that but in reality I was never feeling confident outside of drinking I was never feeling like happy outside of doing it and it, it gave me joy but it also fucking took it away from me at the same time, you know. Totally. And I actually think that's harder. I think that's, like, really admirable because I, like, rehab is a is a safe bubble, you know. Like, you go there and you're told what to do and you're told when to eat and you're told when to sleep and you've got such a strict kind of um, schedule. But 
getting clean and sober in the real world, like that's like I, I we would say to each other all the time in, in rehab, we'd be like, shit, that would be those first 90 days are mm. so delicate and, and so sensitive and, and, you know, you're really waking up, you know, through that period that um, I would, I always admire people that do it outside of rehab because, I mean, the temptation is like, you know, oh, yeah. and, and it's one phone call away or, you know, the bottle shop's just there or, you know, like yeah, totally. it's huge. Yeah. 100% because you, I literally had to change my whole life around to be able to, to do it because if I kept doing the same things, I would get into the same patterns and the patterns would lead to thoughts and then thoughts would lead to feelings and yeah. feelings would lead to actions, right? And so I literally shifted my whole life and started one thing at a time, like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to yeah. work on my health and fitness. I'm going to eat well. I'm going to exercise. I had my dog and I was like, okay, all these things I'm going to throw into. I'm not going to go and hang out with with people that I know that can't support me on that journey or couldn't yeah. be around yeah. without having a drink. So yeah, it was it was it was. In a sense, I felt like it wasn't so hard because I knew that I'd been ready for so long, but I was just holding on to it till like I don't know the final straw, and I was like, okay, I just can't do this anymore. Like I'm, I've got to start to live my life instead of hiding away from what I really wanted to do and who I really was, and you know, just unlayering all those things made me more of a better person, a better friend, yeah. a better coach, and now I'm finally like, if I didn't do that. I wouldn't be where I am today. So I look back yeah. on and say like that, that year of rehab was actually yeah. the thing that got me to where I am today, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You do. You hit that point where you're like, I've actually had enough. Like I've, I've taken it for, for my standards. I'm done. You know, you know? like I really, um, yeah, I really get that, that feeling of I've pushed it too far. Yeah. And now, I'm really, yeah, yeah. But, like, like it's freedom, though, isn't it? Like, it really, truly is freedom from those shackles, like from that kind of one way of thinking too. 100%, yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's definitely freedom of those shackles from that because, like I said, like I would avoid how I was truly feeling by drinking because I felt yeah. like, oh, this is, this is making me happy, this is taking away all my stress. And yeah. you really realize that and you actually can heal. Like, for example, I would, I'm would i the type of person that had built up so many walls that I was never able to be emotional and cry, like, when I was sober. And, you know, if I had a drink and I was upset, I could let it out. And I felt like, oh, this is allowing me to, to process things. But really it was just a heightened sense of whatever was going on. And when you go through the process, and I think it was somewhere in my first 90 days where I just remember being at home and just going, oh, my God, I have hurt myself so much by using it. And I fell on the floor in a heap crying hysterically. I couldn't stop. I couldn't move and stop for like half an hour. And I was like, this is what my body has been needing to do for so long. And that's that's probably a combination of, you know, 10, 15 years of me not being able to really allow myself to be myself and I let out how I really feel, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I, I um I read the um the Russell Brand recovery book. Have you read that? No, I haven't, but I've heard about it, yeah. Really, it's a really good read. And like he, he talks about um how we're we're living in a society that really promotes 
using <laughs> um and in any you know addiction in any form like it's it's like have this do this buy that eat that drink this you know the pressure the pressure the pressure that it kind of um he says that it's not really a surprise that people are addicted to anything because this is the world that we're living in at the moment and i kind of really agree with that like i'm i sort of for me like looking back on my own um recovery journey I was you know all constantly trying to fit in got to look like this got to look like that if I don't look like that then I'm gonna take this so I feel like that you know what I mean don't have that money I'm gonna eat that like it, it was so um being told what to do that for me the own the I guess the using felt like a way of um having gaining a little bit of control for myself subconsciously you know um yeah, yeah. Strongly recommend the read. It's a it's a really, really good read. Okay. I'll definitely check it out on Audible because that's where I read all yeah. this. Yeah. Mm. Nice. And so for you coming out of it and going through your process here, have you found that some of the people that you were obviously probably really close to before have been maybe not so supportive or have maybe put you in positions where it's probably led to something happening? Or Question. Um, obviously, we can't blame anyone else for our choices, but we can be put in situations, and it becomes, you know, easier for us to go down that path, right? Yeah. Um. Do you know I um. Relationships have definitely shifted. That's for sure. Um. And uh, there has been a lot of, <laughs> a lot of difficult situations with my most intimate relationships in my life. Um where I think on both ends uh, we've just been trying to understand how to deal with certain things mm-hmm. um, because, you know, even though there's a handbook for, like, you know, how to do recovery and all of this sort of stuff, um, it's it's really hard for family and friends to get their head around certain things as well. Mm-hmm. Um and so that that there's definitely been um, <laughs> losses <laughs> um, and triumphs on 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 both ends. I've never like blamed anyone for put like I've never like I put myself in the situations. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. by the time I've done the twelve step program and by the time I've done rehab, I'm educated on my behaviour, and um, I I I don't. Uh, I would never want to blame anyone for being like, you put me, you know, you should have known. No, no, no. I knew what I was doing. Yeah. I, 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 I know how manipulative I can be when I want to use, you know, so I, I know. <laughs> I, I know that I have a lot to do with with the, um, those sort of circumstances. Um, I also, you know, I've, I've lost friendships too. Um, I think like doing this sort of, well, I don't want to say lost, but, you know, moved away from certain friendships where doing this sort of work, you do start to realise what your values are. And, um, and, you know, I couldn't help but look in my life, like look at my life and the people in my world and be like, oh, maybe, maybe we've outgrown this now, you know, like maybe it is time to move on and um, and that's okay. Like we just value different things and we've turned into different people. Um, but the relationship side of um, addiction is, is really difficult. Like it's really, really hard. Um, 
because no one really knows what the right thing to do is in times of crisis, you know. And then particularly with family, there's, there's so much love there that um, there's also so much heartache. So um, resentments are really easy to um, to flare up and, you know, um, I know with my um my family in particular, they've been really, really supportive and 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 really tried their best to understand um why this is happening. But at the same time, they also get impatient, which I totally understand because you know it's it's a it's a it's a tricky roller coaster to ride for everybody. Um and because this condition is sort of not really like they they call it a disease but it's not really seen as a disease by the you know by other people um it's kind of you know like it's a little um i don't know what the word is but it's it it almost there's a there's a sense that it could be um you know you know what you're doing and you know it's your fault kind of thing where sometimes their model of the world right and so they go i would never get like that so you must have you know you know what you're doing you know yeah yeah where you know it really it really is a is a like a mental condition like where we fall into these these shadow aspects of ourselves but yeah, relationships have been tested and there's definitely some that have been lost, but there's also... Um, regained friendships, yeah? You, like it, it, yeah, like revived older relationships that have just flourished and become so beautiful and so compassionate and so honest um, because the nature of our conversations have just been really real rather than, you know, talking shit. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's been a ride. <laughs> That's been a ride. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Time yeah. to relate to that too. Like, the same. Yeah, along the journey, like I said, there have been things that you know, my, some of my friendships have definitely blossomed there. I've met some new, new amazing <laughs> people that have really supported and helped me on the journey without knowing who I was before, other than what I've shared with them. Um, yeah. uh, but also, you know, yeah, there are some people that have gone along the way and some people that you probably wouldn't have necessarily thought would ever have left your life. But, you know, who knows if it's forever or it's just a, a path there. And, and when the other people that you know are still inside of that bubble that you were in when you were drinking or using or whatever it was, it's hard yeah. for them to see you out there without them feeling like you're judging them for what they're doing when it's never been about me judging someone else. It's been about me trying to sort my life out. And if that yeah. makes you happy and you're enjoying yourself, good. But I just can't always be around that energy without me feeling like maybe, you know, I'm going to want to do it. You know, proximity is power. If you're always, if me as an alcoholic um, was hanging around people who were drinking all the time, it's natural that I'm more likely going to want to drink or have a drink because I'm around those people. So having to step away from that and, you know, I can do it, definitely do it. I can definitely be around it. But if I was around those people all the time, I know it would be too hard for me to say no all the time, you know? Yeah. I also found that. Um, and it was never their fault. It was always mine. And again, like you said, putting myself in those situations is my responsibility, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really is. I found too that. Um, the role that I played in certain people's lives um, and vice versa and, like, who I was to certain people and um, the pattern that we had fallen into in our relationships. And it was really, really hard to, one, come to terms with um, these yeah. roles but yeah. two, then try to shift them because these 
we've been playing these roles in each other's lives for such a long time that it's like, shit, I don't feel that way anymore. And I don't like this role that I'm playing for you. You know what I mean? And I don't like the role you're playing for me. So now I need to sort of figure this out, like either shimmy out of it or shift it or try to like sort of, I don't know, not participate in those sort of unhealthy Setting boundaries probably for the first time in your life, you know, with people, right? Yeah, for the first time in your life, totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, the relationship side of addiction has been really (laughs) eye-opening. Totally. It was real, right? It's definitely real. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's all this history there and, you know, it's all caught up in that web of addiction as well too, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Nice. So talk, let's tell everyone a bit about what you're got what got you into what you're doing now and how that's probably helped you along on your journey that you're on. Yeah. I um this is I, I think uh light work, sorry, light work um and tarot and uh I don't know, let's just call it a little bit of like healing magic has always been in me. Yes. Um I've always had a connection to spirit, even as a child. Um, I would feel things and see things, um, uh, spirits, I guess you would say. Then, you know, you go into, you know, high school and, you know, you become cool and smoking in the toilets, <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're sort of like, yeah, no, I'm not going to pay attention to anything spiritual. I'm busy being a rebel. Um, and then 20s, partying, using all that sort of stuff. Uh, so I've really, really ignored this um, part of myself for years and years and years. And then going um, to rehab and just sort of unlocking certain things um, within, I was like, oh, that's right. This is this is really a priority for me. And this is something that's really important. Um, so the past few years um, have been learning how to read tarot cards and then sort of give back to the community. Um, and it's come really natural and it's been really, really nice. Like it's it's felt like it's um, I'm expressing that part of myself that's been suppressed for a really long time. Um, what was the question? Sorry. <laughs> how you got into it and how it's been helping you on your journey of sobriety as well because you finally that's found right. that, that, you, that you're loving to do, right? That's your cool. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, but this this is this is um this is coupled up really nicely with the work that I did in rehab because now I feel like um bringing the spirit aspect into my recovery is um a bit more of a gentler way of looking after myself. Um, and it's really shown me to be compassionate towards myself, which has been a really, really hard thing to get my head around to show compassion. I can show compassion to others, mm. but when it comes to showing compassion to myself, I didn't e- I didn't even know how I would do it. So doing the spirit work really, really, really helps me to um, accept, be compassionate, um, and see myself more as an equal rather than a less than if, that makes sense. Yeah. Totally makes sense. And I can relate to the whole part of trying to find compassion to yourself because, you know, you've throughout this whole journey and, and when people are, you know, effed up or drunk, you know, people do things and it's, you know, sometimes they're really fucked up things that happen to you in like friendship yeah. and stuff. 
but you let it go or you move on because like compassion, they weren't wasted. That's not who they are. But then when you do something, when you're like that, you fucking torture yourself for I don't know how long because you're like, fuck, I'm a terrible person. How could I do that to them? Like, that's not the real me. Like, why am I doing this? And then that also makes you go, oh, God, I just can't deal with this glug, glug, glug or whatever because you want yeah. to avoid that situation. But, yeah, that finding compassion for, for yourself uh, throughout this journey is definitely probably the biggest gift you can probably give yourself, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The relationship, that's, I realized that like this wasn't really about the drugs and alcohol. It was completely about the relationship that I had with myself. And it was so warped and so unhealthy. And, you know, it still spikes up to this day. Like it, it's still, I can still really easily go into those head spaces and still be really judgy and you know it's it, t- it does take daily practice yeah. <laughs> like you know prayer meditation journaling whatever it is to just really keep that connection true to self otherwise i i can i can go off the rails really easily and get triggered very very easily if i'm not doing daily practice for sure. Yeah, daily rituals or morning routines or whatever you want yeah. to call about them. And you said meditation, prayer, journaling, you know, whatever works for you, it definitely is important because it keeps you in the right mindset. And, you know, if you start your day in the right way, you're way more easily, more, more likely to be able to keep yourself sober that day. And I know that for myself, especially yeah. in those first morning days, I would write down every day, I will be sober today. I will be sober today. And it was almost like I had to start trusting myself for the first time again because trusting I yourself. Yeah. And I and I would I used to say them like I'm not drinking today. And I always when I would say it that way, I don't know, it just led to me feeling like I wanted to drink. So I had to reframe into I will be sober today. Like what do I want instead of what do I don't want, you know? And it really helped yeah. me do that every day because I then build up trust in myself. And I was like wow, I finally trust myself and I never trusted myself before because I would say all these things but just fail at the first hurdle because, you know, it was a pattern, you know. It was a pattern, yeah. It was an, it was easy too. It was comfortable, it's easy. Like I think like it was, you know, when we're using and um, drinking and stuff, like there's so we're comfortable in that spot. Like it's something we're, we're familiar with, we know how to do it. So when you start to get clean, you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> what's my crutch? How do I <laughs> how do I move through social situations without being trashed or, you know, like it's, it's very challenging. So challenging. But, you know, like at the end of the day, it, we're coming out the other side. And like I said, we're never perfect. Yeah. So we are going to make mistakes and things are going to happen. Yeah. But, you know, it's all about getting back up and starting fresh the next day, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about now what's your what's where are you going for the next six months? I know obviously you're in lockdown at the moment. Has that yeah. affected how you're feeling or have you had to put in extra work to continue to yeah. focus on your sobriety? Oh yes. Um, like the triggers are real through lockdown. You've got your sort of given, well, I've been given this time. Um, so it's very easy to be like, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now, <laughs> you know, be, well, responsibilities are light. Um, so it's definitely, um, definitely had its challenge. Oh, I think we lost you there for a minute. It's, um, like I was, I was talking to a girlfriend and I'm like one week <laughs> with this lockdown, 
is really gloomy. It's really, I'm eating heaps of sugar and I'm just like not doing anything. And then one, the next week I'm really like, cha, 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 you know, like really on top of it. And then the next week, so it seems to be going like that at the moment, but, um, but one thing that I've, I've taken away from merging the spirit work um, with recovery is self-awareness and ob- observation. Um, I've found that um, if I observe certain feelings rather than get taken uh, or I find myself at the mercy of them, it's much easier to move through those obsessive moments rather than... Um, getting taken away and, and um, you know, having the head attacks kind of thing. Um, so I, I really try really, really hard to stay aware and observe how I feel when I'm, when I'm in those spaces. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, in terms of the next six months, I'm really trying to, um, I'm working on a fantasy novel at the moment, which I'm really, really loving. So that's sort of been my creative outlet. Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping to finish the first draft of that because <laughs> it's taken a really, really long time. Um, I'm sort of halfway through and, um, yeah, I just want to get to the first draft and then start editing. So yeah, working on that, I'm lucky enough to still have my day job, um, through this time. Um, so, so that's been really, really good. And, um, yeah, bringing, finishing my, um, my course, my light working course, the, the medicine wheel, and um and starting my own little you know side hustle or in, in enhancing what I've already, I'm already doing with the tarot reading, yeah, um, and then adding that as a um, as an, another service that I could offer, um, but you know trying to stay balanced <laughs> is 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 a, a real priority for me. Living a really balanced life, nice and. Uh- yeah. Yeah, I agree. Living as much as you can be in balance is definitely going to be the way that you're going to stay on the right path. But, you know, pendulum swings, so it's just about really being aware that when they are swinging, how do I get myself back to more of the middle ground, right? Yeah, totally, because I think, you know, um, it's when things are going fine and you're coasting, that, of course, that's kind of easy, like that's fine. But, you know, when the tests come, when that pendulum does swing, that's when you've got to put the wisdom into practice that, you know, the the stuff that you've you've learned and all of that knowledge and from the 12-step program to, you know, spiritual stuff, it's like, okay, now I'm being tested. Now I've got to, <laughs> now I've got to, I've really got to figure this out and problem solve without it leading to disaster again. Totally, totally. I agree there for sure. So from your kind of journey throughout all of this, if there was yeah. one piece of advice you could share to anyone listening here today, what do you think would be what it is you would share? Don't be too hard on yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself. If you're using and if you're if that's what's going on for you at the moment, just be gentle with yourself because... Um, because it takes a lot of courage to um, to get clean. It really does. Um, and it's not easy, but um, but just grant yourself the time and space to to figure it out. Yeah. I love that because the more you're hard on yourself, the more you get caught up in the fact that I want to avoid these feelings and you go back into that pattern. Yeah. So if you take yeah. it and have some compassion for yourself, you'll start right. to yeah. realise what's the right things that you really need to do to 
sort it out if you feel like it's a big yeah. problem. That hardness, I, I feel for me, just really promoted um, guilt and shame, even more so. Um, and so, they just don't serve us in any way. Um, they 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 do in a small way that it's an indicator that something might like needs to change. But um, but we don't want to sit in guilt and shame too heavily. It's just you've got to be gentle with yourself. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on here, Danny. I loved what we shared today and how vulnerable and open you've been. Where can people find you if they wanted to reach out and chat about what you do or anything else there? Cool. Um, I have on Instagram, House of Lemonade, H-A-U-S underscore of underscore lemonade. Uh, That's my my tarot jam. Um, So, yeah, on Instagram. Amazing. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for coming here, Danny. It's been a pleasure having you on here. And thank you guys for listening. It's been uh, an amazing episode here today. So if you have any comments or any feedback, feel free to leave it uh, below in, in whatever platform you're listening on. Or you can find me also on Instagram and Facebook, just at Cristiano Green. So thank you guys and have a wonderful day. And we'll be back next week with another episode.